Oh, yeah. Ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. But then later there's running and then screaming. The world's just changed so radically and we're all running to catch up. How can we possibly have the slightest idea of what to expect? The best intentions. Some of the worst things imaginable have been done with the best intentions. Dr. Malcolm, I have to share a few campfire stories with my uncle. You can convince the Washington Post and the skeptical inquirer of whatever you want. But I was there, I know what happened, and so do you. I, I don't think you're giving us our due credit. Our scientists have done things which nobody's ever done before. Yeah, yeah, but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could that they didn't stop to think if they should. Hello, welcome to Jurassic Minutes, where we'll be discussing recent movie and toy news for the Jurassic Park franchise. And just lucky enough, here we are recording on the uh, birthday of the original Jurassic Park 26 years ago on this day. I'm Brad. And after returning for a long time, I'm Dave. <laughs> uh, yes, we'll get to that trip in a moment, Dave. But before we do that, uh, on this episode, we're going to be discussing Netflix's Camp Cretaceous teaser. Uh, the box art for Mattel's Brachiosaurus has been revealed. The recent explosion over the Site C production material. And a couple more stories as well. But... Uh, why are we here, Dave? During the Lost World minute, I believe, when uh, Fallen Kingdom, in the in the tale of Jurassic World and going into production on Fallen Kingdom, we would often sit here and talk for 45 minutes to an hour about all the uh, upcoming movie news that had been released. And we'd done a survey in the uh, Jurassic Minutes Facebook group at the time, or the Lost World minute Facebook group at the time, and just asked if people preferred to have the news at the start of the, uh, start of the minute or uh, just to listen to the minute itself. So a lot of people wanted just to listen to the minutes and especially here we are with Jurassic World uh, Jurassic Park 3 people just want to listen to the minutes and get out and not spend too much time on Jurassic Park 3 so when we'd done the rebranding and that we thought uh, we could have the main show called Jurassic Minutes and that way once the uh, minute by minute format's done if we wanted to keep on going in some sort of new show or something like that Jurassic Minutes was going to be the perfect title for that because mm-hmm. sadly I can't episode three, <laughs> three podcasts a week so um, this is probably only going to be once every month until news starts getting more more sort of stuff releasing. Being Jurassic June, it seems to all have been dumped <laughs> at us in the last couple of weeks. There are some news stories from a little bit up, uh, a little bit further ago, but uh, as David said before, he's been away on a trip, so we haven't had a chance to record for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So this is really kind of a perfect kind of... Um little episode thing to do here now because like you said editing editing three episodes is hard enough when you gotta take out all the pauses and ums and tighten up the record Mm. and so basically now that we're back and we've kind of had a pile up with jurassic june being the kind of big dinosaur month because of jurassic park we can now um do the we can now do the show like this yeah yep and uh We'll be back next week with the uh, regular minutes and the uh, appearance of the Spinosaur. Before we get into the news itself, David, we talked about it for many weeks and possibly months before you left on your trip, and uh, you've gone away, you've printed some, fa- oh, posted up some fantastic photos of your travels across the country and back. Mm-hmm. For those that want to follow along, uh, head over to jurassic-pedia.com and find the uh, article posting. Uh, Finding the Lost World, a film location showcase, which, uh, David, you have been busy working on since you returned from that trip, and uh, take it away. 
as I've talked about before, this is um, really the kind of uh, big thing I wanted to do. I just recently graduated college a couple weeks ago, and as a big present to myself, I wanted to take a big vacation, and frankly, it was up between this and seeing the East Coast. I've never been really to the East Coast a lot, yeah. like New York City, Boston, uh, Cape Cod, those kind of places. And I kind of crunched the numbers, and this came out to be the cheaper trip. And so I drove out there. I drove like 2,500 miles there and then 2,500 miles back. Wow. <laughs> and so I drove across most of the country getting here and – or getting there. And so it was really spectacular sights all along the way too. Uh, middle of the breadbasket areas where all the farm fields are got kind of boring after a while. But once I got into the more Rocky Mountain areas, the views started getting really spectacular. And I, I was really glad I drove this trip because, I mean, you can see, look down at it from an airplane and it, it just looks interesting, but seeing it from the ground actually makes it so much more spectacular. Yeah, yeah, true. And like, you even though your end goal was to get to California and the Redwoods, just some of the sights and just some of the photos you took along the way of those, like the Rocky Mountains and that sort of stuff um, along the way were just fantastic to see. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I made it out there and I sort of did this, uh, the PD article sort of in something of an order, not really. <laughs> it, was, it was based mostly on the order of, um, how the pictures came out, which is mostly in the order of how I went. Yep. So, yeah, I, when I got back, I wrote a, I wanted to write up a big showcase for the article, basically saying, giving a little bit of history about why the Prairie Creek Redwoods were chosen and what uh, Spielberg did filming there, why some of the locations look a little different. But another thing I wanted to do with this article, which I think was really exciting, is tell fans how to get there. The number one question I've gotten since I've been posting these photos up is, where is that? Mm. How do I get there? You know, I mean, people people want to visit these locations. And frankly, yes, Jurassic Falls in Kauai is more famous. <laughs> Jurassic Kahili Ranch is more iconic. And the uh, Koaloa Ranch on Oahu is more easy to get to if you're visiting Hawaii, but frankly, the Redwoods are a very easy place to get to get to if you live in the mainland United States. I drove I-80 all the way there pretty much until I hit Reno in Nevada, which is at the border of Nevada and California. And so getting there, I was probably on like four roads the whole time yeah. because I'm, well, I live on I-80. I live right at I-80, so that made it a little bit easier for me to get there. But being the main vein through the nation, you kind of kind of bumps you right up to the front door, and all you have to do is open it. Yep. And so I just don't understand why more fans don't make this pilgrimage. And then I started thinking maybe they just don't know how to get there, where to start, how to plan the trip. And so I thought that's going to be what the showcase is about. And so first place I actually went to, I actually arrived a little early, and, I, and so I hunted down the Fieldbrook location in California. The Fieldbrook, California location is a large private ranch, kind of a little bit away from the main Prairie Creek Redwoods. It's probably a 20-minute drive away from there. You had to get back onto a 
state route and then take a couple little back roads. But getting there is really fun because you uh, drive basically down this little little tiny back road and it's paved and stuff, but it's got these big redwood trees all around the all around it. And then you, I wasn't actually sure I how to get there. I thought, oh man, I'm gonna have to drive and find go down every little residential neighborhood <laughs> until I find it. And it's right off the main vein. How Spielberg and all these people discover this ranch, I don't know, but it's you basically um, take the main highway, uh, which is 101, goes through Eureka and Arcata and Trinidad, and right through all these locations that we're going to talk about. But you take Highway 101, and then you get on another highway, and then you get on, you get off the highway and go to go to a bunch of little back roads, and these are all labeled here in the article, so that'll kind of entice you if you're interested, and. You just drive along that little back road, and all of a sudden you'll. If you know, if you take a look at the pictures here, and I'm not going to post them up on our Facebook, is there's just too many. Yeah, yeah. I'll post up the link to the uh, showcase, and you can actually find it on Google Maps Street View. It gives you the um, addresses two two five three three Fieldbrook Road, and it's McKinley, California. But for some reason, they give me like three different town names on the GPS when I get here. But yeah, it's it's right there. It's a big kind of cattle gate with some barbed wire fencing, and you get most of the you get a good view of most of the um, the game trail here, which is what was filmed here. And so, thankfully, everything is still very much iconic. You can you still can tell where things were filmed if you know if you have the scene in your head. You can see it playing out here on the field in a way. Mm. And interestingly is that it's – in the movie, it's a dry, dusty plane. I mean, there's <laughs> dust flying everywhere and yeah, grass yeah. flying. We commented that – we've been talking about that in PM when you start posting the photos up. Just how mm-hmm. green it is now compared to when they filmed in 96. Yeah. Well, the, well, what happened in 1996 was they had a very bad drought. And what is – kind of the opposite now is that they've had a very good very very good snowfall year in california that has effectively ended like a multi-year drought and so the um added to that was a lot of spring rain we've had a very rainy spring season in the united states and so everything is very green it's like a nice green grassy field Hmm. yeah just looking at some of the photos here it's fantastic even the um some of the redwood stumps and that that are still in location where back in 96 mm-hmm. because of the drought the stumps were just sort of there uh from memory when we see burke and that pull up in the jeep there are some um some clumps of sort of regrowth on the stump but here a lot of the stumps that are out in the game trail out in the, the air, open areas themselves are all sort of more overgrown so it's sort of it's really taking what we remember from 97 and um adding a couple a few a couple of decades to it and um mm-hmm. And much like if you went back to sauna now, it's, that's what the game trail would look at. It'd be a little bit more overgrown. Mm-hmm. And I will say this. I do not endorse any sightseers to go here to cross the gate and enter the land. It, please do not do that without the knowledge or consent of the people who own this ranch. I hear they're very private. And I didn't go knocking any, on any doors to ask if I did, but 
you can pretty much get good pictures yeah. from the street. And I got a ton of good pictures here. I mean, you can, with a telephoto lens, I was able to zoom in on the <laughs> what I believe to be the stump where Burke and his guy gets out next to and watch uh, Carter get tossed uh, through the Jeep there. <laughs> That's a really good photo for being zoomed in that far. Well, it was a it was a nice telephoto lens. I think yeah. I was like zoomed in most of the way, like at <laughs> two fifty millimeters or something like that. Yeah, that's um, um. This is the only location that was on private property, wasn't it? Patrick's Point. All that's public access. Yeah, everything everything yeah. else is public property, but this is the only one that's private property. So yeah, just don't go like stomping around people's backyards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as you said, you can see a lot of the good stuff from the uh, from the road and the gate anyway. Yeah, you can, and essentially that's what this is. This is somebody's backyard. I mean, somebody's backyard is the Islia Sonar game trail. I mean, how cool is that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the next then since I'm doing game trails, the next t- the next place I went that day was to the Patrick's Point location, and we've talked about this during our our Lost World Minute coverage, and so. Well, I suppose, quickly, um, to bring up, too, this isn't your first trip out there. You've done this trip once before a while ago. I have, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But this time you're sort of armed with more more knowledge. Yeah, this time I, I went, I've come back with a better game plan. The first time I went, I was kind of cocky in a way. I was like, <laughs> oh, I know where it all is. I, I'm going to see it all. And then I ended up missing a lot because I didn't know where a lot of it is. I thought I did, but I didn't. And so... The Patrick's Point Game Trail was some one of the places that I had visited previously, so I had taken a lot of pics from there, and some of them are from the first uh, visit, some of them are from the second, and I kind of just included both just because the second time I didn't take as many pictures. I took more pictures of different areas because some of the places I, I didn't really pay attention to the first time. So I have both... 2014 and 2019 pictures in this set here and you can kind of tell because one of them they change from cell phone quality to um (laughs) dslr quality yeah and this is another fun one uh this one i got like a zoomed in shot of um the rock where nick uh who's played by vince vaughn he where he jumps up on the rock with his equipment and starts recording so this is another play. I won't go too much into too much detail on this one just because we've talked about it before. And... Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, we, we, yeah, we brought up in those minutes the fact you could see the ocean through the, the trees and, and that sort of yeah. thing. And um, it just makes me wonder, the one here, you're sort of looking looking to the left of the uh, outcrop and you've mm-hmm. got that road and the little trail. I wonder if that um, if they black that out or, like, edit that out in the scene when they, they do seem the painting to... I think they did in the scene because when you watched those scene in the movie, either that tra- that one trail didn't even exist at the time. Yeah. But they definitely CGI'd out the road because actually it was funny because they were driving on that road during uh, <laughs> the during Roland's little speech to Ludlow. You can see a little bit of the black top of the road behind him. Um, yeah. Sometimes. Yeah, I'm just trying to find the um the shot. Have you got a shot of that road down low or not? I remember. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, it might be somewhere else. Um, yeah, well, that's it. There's one shot. It's not on. Um, it's not on um, Petey here, but you're standing on that road, looking down along it, and you can see those two trees they drive through in the background. And again, we mm-hmm. mentioned that when we uh, were at that minute after Roland's fantastic introduction. But 
just back to the uh, the, the rock outcrop here with Nick on top of it. It's it's one thing to see and have a photo of that rock outcrop, but then then to go and get the screen cap from the minute <laughs> or from when Nick's coming out and putting his satellite dish or mm-hmm. light meter or whatever whatever we uh, decide it ended up being, seeing those little trees on top of the, out, the outcrops behind him and, that, and just seeing, we'll get to it later when we get to the Redwoods and Eddie and that, but just seeing how little uh, some of this stuff has changed um, and oh, yeah. being able to line it straight up to what we've seen in the film. I'd have to say almost every location was virtually identical. <clears throat> I'm sorry, let me get a drink of water. Yeah, you're up. <laughs> every, nearly every location was almost identical to what they had looked like back in 1996 when they had filmed there, except one, and we'll get to that one. Yeah. yeah coming up here. Yeah, I think the only real difference is just the color. <laughs> just It's a lot more vibrant and green now where before it wasn't. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, another thing they I'm sure I'm sure they digitally kind of enhanced some of it too because I mean <clears throat> ferns then the ferns literally litter the ground here from in front of Patrick's point in front of this rock here so yeah you can see in the photos I mean yeah. in the in some of the pictures you can kind of see that it is more yellowish but they had I'm sure they CGI'd it to kind of match the dusty plane at Fieldbrook too a little bit. Yeah, and that's something I mentioned here is how there's something I commend about uh, the editing here is that something it, you really don't get is that these are two smaller locations that they just kind of edit together seamlessly to make it look like one long location and it's great it's amazing how seamlessly they edit the two locations together you'd never notice unless you knew what you're looking for yeah yep but yeah just on, as I've said before, but just on the other side of the tree line there is the base camp for um, Ian Malcolm's team, which was filmed at the parking lot for the movie. The parking lot, they kind of just spread a bunch of fake foliage and set dressing around and um, film and use basically clever camera tricks to make you realize that the little steep hill here is not, in fact, a, is that's not really a hill, it's like a cliff. I mean, they just never show that part. But uh, the, one of the first pictures I got here is you could, there's a rock that you can kind of see behind the trailers, and that's called Wedding Rock. You can hike up to it and go and climb on top of the rock. And you don't realize it's how far away it is in the movie because the RVs are parked out in front of it so that you can't see that. Hmm. But once you get on a Wedding Rock and then take your lens and point it back at the parking lot you notice wait a second there's no cliff there yeah no <laughs> where's the cliff yeah and now the, that's uh, a disappearing cliff yeah and the, the photo you saw leading with in this next section of the article is just that view uh in the film it was uh engine helicopters heading to the island and you've got the back of the rv in the bottom left and you can look out mm-hmm. across that rock and here you've got your um your car there pretty much in the same shot minus the mm-hmm. helicopters and again with just how much more uh, growth has been in 20 years. Yeah, it's but the funny thing is that you can still in the 1996 or in the uh, movie screenshot you can actually see the kind of like burgeoning of the growth there though, which mm. is really cool. You can just, like the in 1990 and I mean I'm sorry 19 in the 2019 uh, photo you can see this big kind of 
branch that's sticking out the side of the cliff yeah. in the in the background. Yeah. And then but you look at the screenshot from 1997, and it's there, but it's just smaller. Yeah. Yeah. And you can sort of see it's just behind the grass there where the cliff starts to come out a bit at the bottom, and mm-hmm. it's only because you're standing in front of your car here where back then it was up probably two metres off the ground, the camera, to get the top corner of the RV in the shot. Um, mm-hmm. The camera angle's a lot higher, and you can see down to the ocean there. But, but yeah, <laughs> fantastic. Mm-hmm. And as you said, like the car park... The car park itself, just those massive trees. Mm-hmm. And those are the small ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We haven't even gotten to the redwoods yet, which, speaking of which, is our next stop is the Stego, is the Stegosaurus Creek, or Creek in uh, the Prairie Creek Redwoods. This one is a tricky one. It, I, when I went in into the Redwoods this time, last time I went, I stayed at a bed and breakfast, and it was nice, but I, I was kind of hindered by how often I'd get back, how when I could leave and when i get back, because uh, breakfast be, would be served at 9, and then you had to get back for dinner at, at 5. Okay. And when I went this time, I camped there, and so I was kind of free to just leave and come back whenever I wanted. I'd be out there at like 7 o'clock in the morning, and then I'd come back, and I wouldn't come back until like eight o'clock at night. So I'd be I'd be out hiking for like a good eight hours. You aren't know? we? Aren't we joked about this before you went? But there was no signs of velociraptors or bears. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully. <laughs> but yeah, this one is actually right behind the campsite that I was at. The campsite that I was at was. Um, the Elk Prairie Campground, which is right behind the visitor center to the Redwood State and National Parks. And so um, you basically, I mean, I'm sure it's like the other ones, you pay a small fee to get there and park. And it's actually a main access to a lot of the rest of the park. You can basically start at the visitor center and just hike all around the entire park in a big five and a half mile loop which i actually did Mm. (laughs) didn't intend to but i ended up doing it and so the stegosaurus creek is probably the location that has changed the most out of all the locations the stegosaurus creek just so overgrown and plus because of all the rain that everything was higher and i actually kind of fell in the creek the first time I went looking for these locations because I tried getting across the creek and the water was just too high. I ended up in like butt deep water. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) Beware your surroundings, Mr. Wayne. (laughs) What's that? Beware your surroundings, Mr. Wayne. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Straight in the water. But thankfully there are kind of ways around that. So I didn't get all the photos I wanted. I just kind of got a couple. One of them being from the opposite side of the of the creek bed that they're standing in when they watch the Stegosaurus cross the creek, and I say opposite side because it you couldn't actually see the foliage was too thick mm. to see the side that all the characters are facing in the movie. So instead, I got it. I got the log, but it wasn't the right direction, unfortunately. Yeah. And the other one was uh, a bit further down, and this was the um, the little clearing around the creek bend 
where the Stegosaurus attack. And so that thankfully looks a little bit closer than the log. I mean, the log is somewhat recognizable. I mean, I kind of guessed and I made the assumption this was the log because there wasn't any other log that was this big in the creek. Yeah. But the other one is still pretty recognizable, sort of. I mean, it's the, the growth, the undergrowth is a little thicker, but everything else is pretty much the same. And I post a screen cap there to basically compare, and you can you can see it still pretty much looks the same. Yeah, yep. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to get to where Sarah's walking through the water again because the water was so high, and it just wasn't really possible, unfortunately. Hmm. But another location, probably, I don't know, less than five-minute walk away from these locations, the Stereosego, is where... Take a break. Five minutes. <laughs> where, uh, where they come down that hill and then just sit around there. And <laughs> they, everything here still looks exactly the same. Even the log that's lying across there looks exactly the same. Well, yeah, it's just... Like, looking at the screen cap you got here of Roland putting his hand up and saying that that great quote, um, it's just that very simple camera trip of, trick of just moving the camera a little bit off the path in amongst the ferns and not mm-hmm. shooting like shooting from the waists up or knees up of the characters so you just can't see the path they're walking on. And it's just, oh, yeah. it's just something simple like that. Mm-hmm. You have no idea they're walking along a prepared path there in the film. I know. Um, and it's just so interesting because... Again, it's all a matter of perspective. For Spielberg in this movie, it was all he. You saw what he only what he wanted you to see. Mm. And so this grove, because of the tightness of the camera that he's got on it, looks. You don't realize that's all there is. That's all. That's all that grove is. Is that there? I mean, there's for more redwoods further beyond it, but this was just probably a grove of I don't know ten trees that were, that were really big ones. Yep. And the rest were kind of smaller. I mean, on the opposite side of the camera, there's a bit more big trees. But that's it. I mean, you don't realize that on the other side of that tree line, there's a bunch of smaller redwoods. And then there's more big ones after that. They're kind of obscured by the fog that he has going in the um, in the movie. Yeah. And it's funny because, I mean, even the spots you can pick out where... Car- you can find the exact spot where Carter was sitting, eating the piece of chocolate and listening to mariachi music. <laughs> I did it. Can, I, yeah. I, sat I, I took a selfie with um, a piece of chocolate and my headphones on. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's but, just the little things like that. And also, the um, <laughs> you found the, the location where, I think from memory, it was where Dita was about to pull down his pants, <laughs> but uh, running up past the big fallen redwoods and the stumps there and again looks just like it did in the film yeah it does and i mean i recognized it and i took the picture but i wasn't exactly sure the exact framing because i didn't have that exact uh screen cap among my kind of list that i was trying to copy off of yeah but yeah this one i mean it's pretty close and you can again like you said still looks very very much the same you got the kind of bent log and then the other log the the bottom of the other log laying across it mm. you know and that just even just the um 
like the the vines or the ferns and the moss and that that's just growing. Mm-hmm. Like they probably didn't do a, a lot of um, set dressing to this area when they filmed there. Just the natural look of it is what they. I'd have to say they, they probably didn't do any. Yeah. In most of these, you know. I mean, you can see a couple where they did set dressing. Like, I'd have to say maybe they added a few potted ferns during the uh, during the um, in the break in the break time area. Maybe took away the logs that mark the trail, but that's yeah. it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And so yeah, like you said, that that's. It's funny because that's like literally right behind. If you were yelling in that area, you'd be like yelling in people's ears. <laughs> <laughs> because that is literally right, probably like I don't know, ten feet behind the rest of the uh, the rest of the uh, trail here. Well, that's it. And going into Dita as well, we have uh, Fern Canyon here, which mm-hmm. um, I think we showed. You did have some of these photos when we talked about the minute in the Lost World and discussed it a bit there, but. Mm-hmm. Again, just apart from um, how the the creek's been sort of eroding its way through the gravel riverbed, um, not a lot else has changed with this set or this area. No, no, there really hasn't. I mean, the creek, the um, the flow of the creek changes, but I mean, you really don't notice that much in the movie. What you really also don't notice that much is how close they kind of stay to the mouth of the canyon. They are they really don't venture, maybe more than a thousand feet into the canyon to film this. And so uh, we've talked about this location before. What was great was going this early. What they do in the summer months is like June, they put out these um, little boardwalks for you to walk across the creek and those weren't here yet. And so I got kind of, as it looked in the movie without any kind of human boardwalks or anything there yeah. which they had the last time I was here this was another location that I went to in 2014 and so this was when I brought screen caps and I tried to, I was standing on logs trying to get the angles right and stuff like that <laughs> well, so this, one, this was another what's that? I was going to say yeah having something some sort of human interference in the background it's like damn you Mesrani <laughs> leave Sorter alone <laughs> Yeah, and so this one was a lot more fun because I was able to zoom in more too and basically get more accurate shots of the location where Dieter was mm. doomed, basically. <laughs> Eaten alive. Mm-hmm. And again, this is another twofer location because this was also the spot where um, we had the night area of the Mendehike philosophy trading where Roland and Nick are kind of trading their ideologies to each other while they're walking across in the, during the trek. Yeah, which is one of um, one of only two night shots that were actually done on location. Mm-hmm. And so then, kind of the last, this one was like the last place I went to. The final location I have listed here wasn't the last. It was actually probably done on like the second or third day. But this was the last location was Big Tree. This one was one I where I got cocky and I skipped it because I was laughing. Ah, ha, 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 yeah, they're all big trees. Well, this one... <laughs> <laughs> this one was where they, uh, Sarah and Ian are all walking back to the, um, to the camp. And again, 
another location that has pretty much stayed the same since 1996. I mean, even the even the fallen trees with the moss are the exact same trees. Those trees haven't fallen. The shape of the kind of broken trees in the background still the same. It was amazing mm. to see this because I mean, I was able to take a selfie in the standing in the same spot Richard Schiff was. Oh yeah, that was a great photo. With a, that one. With a goofy grin on my face. Yeah. You know. Yeah, when he's just going, wow. <laughs> and you, yeah. you can clearly see the, like, the couple of logs, the way the logs are all sitting there, it's almost almost shot for shot of um, mm-hmm. that scene as he's walking past that location. And Again, when you can compare to something from the film like that, it just it's just amazing. <laughs> it's great. Mm-hmm. Now, something I noticed when I was actually trying to photograph the area was either Spielberg used a... Um, either Spielberg used a kind of a wide-angle lens to film this, or he had, like, set up the track for the camera, like, way back into the forest, because that trail that is... This is, like, right next to the trail, right at the trailhead, this location. Hmm. And it's right off of the uh, Drury Newton... Um, or Newton Drury, I, I forget the name. It's the scenic byway that... by that alternates the as the uh, way through the redwoods and you get some great big beautiful tree pictures instead of going along the highway that kind of cuts through and so this is um, the sign for it faces north which is weird so if you're looking for it you uh, coming from Eureka you might miss it it's right after Cal Barrel Road which we'll talk about next and so um it's really interesting because at this point I started noticing that Spielberg was like, okay, let's film at all trailheads so we don't have to lug this equipment up everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and so this one's like at a, this one's at a, another one at a trailhead that was probably easy to get to. And so, yeah, I mean, cause the angles in the movie are kind of set back further and they look like they may have been zoomed in a bit, but I don't know. I mean, some of the behind-the-scenes shots show him filming in the, uh, like filming with the crane with the, uh, yeah, the little crane for the camera on the trail. But they must have been using a wide-angle lens or something because the area is not nearly as big as the movie makes it out to be. Yeah. The movie makes it out to be like these huge, gigantic area. And Julianna Moore, she's short, so it kind of works with her on the <laughs> on the fallen log. But, I mean, you get there and you're like, it's so much smaller. I mean, the trees are still gigantic, but it's the area itself is so much more contained than it looks like it is in the movie. I'm sick of it, man. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, it's like almost like a Hollywood tour. You, you, see, the, you see it in person and you're like, that's it? Uh, there's not more? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so the next place I went, I tried Cal Barrel Road, and I'm going to flat out say, this is not the location for the high hide at all. I'm, I trust me on this. I went on Cal Barrel Road, and it's like this mountain road that is like five feet wide, and you're basically pressed between trees that are 20 feet wide in the, in the face of the mountain in your car, and <laughs> it's a one-way road. I mean... I mean, it's now it's a two-way road with like little, and it's it was just hell. 
I'll, I'll sum it up as the probably the worst place I went. What I think it was filmed on was on Bald Hill Road. It was it's a logging road that you get to the Lady Bird Johnson Grove. Who Lady Bird Johnson being the um, being the first lady under Nixon. She was he, she was Nixon's wife, who was pretty much known as probably our crooked pre- most crooked president since our current. Sorry, not, sorry to get into politics, but <laughs> he likes to be Nixon. He's gonna be Nixon. But yeah, this is the lady. It's outside the Lady Bird Johnson Grove, and so it's um these all these big moss covered trees just kind of leaning over the road. And I included a screen cap here of the high hide area, and I think it looks a lot a lot closer. Yeah, because agreed. there is no way, and I'm just gonna throw it out there. There is no way anybody was filming any kind of speed travel in a vehicle of any kind, I don't care if it's a Mercedes or not, you are not going more than 10 miles an hour on a Calabella road. It might have made for a good location if they had the Ridge Road and that from the novel. Yeah, it would have, I mean, at the same time, I mean, because Nick and Sarah speed past here in the Mercedes uh, going like, I don't know, like 40 miles an hour. Mm. And I swear to God, I did not do more than 10 down up and down that mountain. <laughs> well we I think we commented during the minute just how open this area looks at the high high now it looks like he's set up on, on what you could only probably assume is an old road that's on sauna um, whereas mm-hmm. here it's got the location they were able to drive past and probably manufactured a puddle to splash before they get to him in the film mm-hmm. well that was another thing I mean, they might not have even needed it just because I mean when I was there it was well, the first time I went in 2014, it was pretty sunny, nice, it was warm. But when I went here, it was a bit chillier. The We had a longer, harsher winter than we did it back in the 2013-2014 winter. So it was the temperatures were cooler. It was more like 55, 60 Fahrenheit. And every day, every day, every morning, the mist would kind of fill the forest. And every night, it would mist again, like just before sundown. And so it was a lot more wet when I went this time than it was yeah. the first time I went. It almost looks too here with the, um, the just looking back to the high hide, the screen cap to where you parked. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've obviously done some set dressing and put some ferns and that on the road, some foliage mm-hmm. just to make it that look that little bit overgrown too, back behind where these Mercedes is parked and where the other one's approaching from. But it does def- it definitely looks very similar <laughs> to that location. Mm-hmm. So anything else to recap? pretty much went through it all didn't we yeah but yeah i mean this was probably one of the best trips i've ever taken and people people keep telling me wait you did that by yourself you went all the way <laughs> across the nation by yourself yeah i mean why not <laughs> get out there get out there and do it yeah get out there and do it go have an adventure you know As and this is a really this was i probably did it on two grand this entire trip and that's including all the um, all the uh, gasoline. I, I and ho- I even stayed in a couple of hotel rooms, and it was a good trip. I didn't. I didn't. It didn't cost a ton. I mean, if I went to New York, I could easily have seen that New York City alone costing me maybe uh, <laughs> two grand. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it's easy to get to. It's. Easier than Kauai or Oahu, honestly. I mean, that's a 14-hour flight. 
this was this took me yeah it took me four days but it was uh if you fly it's like a four hour flight you know yeah, yeah. i like, mean i would, I would suggest everybody and... go out there and do the mountain drive like i did hmm. but i mean if you they have hotels out there they have tons of hotels in eureka and if you want to do it go go find a hotel book a couple nights and get out there and go hiking i mean you are these trees are monumentous they are the biggest living thing you will ever see <laughs> uh, yeah if you're west of the rockies there's not really any excuse you're you're in the zone you're there um, uh, i mean it's from la is probably a 10-hour drive you know Oh, so it is a fair way up. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, but, uh, yeah, California, California does take up most of the East Coast, so it's kind of you look at it on a map, and it's kind of deceiving how big it is. But then again, at the same time, it's worth it. Mm. It's worth it to make this pilgrimage, and it is still my goal to get out to Kauai and Oahu and see those locations, but. The Redwoods are where my heart is, man. I mean, I love the Lost World. I love the Redwoods. I'm not sure which came. That's kind of a chicken and the egg kind of thing. I'm not <laughs> sure which which love came first, Ferns or Lost World. But you know, yeah, yeah. But that's it. As, as you said, accessibility. Apart from the uh, apart from the ranch that's um, privately owned, all this other stuff's publicly public accessible. Mm-hmm. Getting there. I was going to say, which is different from Oahu and Kauai. A lot of those locations are on private land. Yeah. And I know that the Jurassic Kahili Ranch just, like, a couple of weeks ago announced that they'll be doing, they will allow tours, but for a long, long time, they did not. They did, they used to, like, way, way back a long time ago, probably 15 years ago they did. But then they stopped doing it. Now they're opening it up for tours again. And the Jurassic Valley in um, on Oahu again, another one. Do, you got to pay to do the tours. I think the tours are pretty pricey. Dra- uh, the Jurassic Falls on Kauai, you got to rent a helicopter to get to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Kipukai uh, Beach on Kauai, you got to rent a boat to get to. Just a lot of it. It's pricier. It's more kind of exclusive. It's. I mean, I, I know a lot of people do it. And a lot of fans make that pilgrimage just for the iconicism of it. But, I mean, the Redwoods are just as beautiful, and it's free. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Those state national parks, are they got like an $8 entrance fee. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, makes things really easy. Mm-hmm. Oh, fantastic. Again, for the, uh, the full write-up on this article, head over to Jurassic-pedia.com, and uh, you can look through some of the photos yourself. Mm-hmm. I highly suggest it. We'll we'll also post a link to our Facebook when this goes live. Yep. Dave, ready to get to some news? Sure, yeah. All right. Uh, first up, just quickly, um, I've been talking the last couple of weeks or last couple of records. Uh, I'd been expecting my um, Chronicle Collectibles night vision goggles from Jurassic Park, and uh, I went to log in, and there was an issue. Apparently, Chronicle servers or system was transferred over I think it was in August last year or end of last year and uh, anyhow yeah some, I think it was yeah but some accounts weren't uh, successfully transferred over and that's what happened to me so if you have a Chronicle account and have anything on pre-order or paying anything off and haven't heard from Chronicle for a few months 
just go and try and log in and make sure you can still log in. Your account's still there. If not, email them. They'll they know the issues there. Um, they've had it fixed within about ten minutes for me. So and yeah, managed to get the rest of the the payments set up. So I've got three more payments and my goggles are per- purchased. So so yeah, just head over to uh, to Chronicle, log in and check it all out and make sure that uh, make sure your account's still active because there'd be nothing worse than expecting. Uh, your item to come out and realise that uh, you can no longer log into Chronicle, it would uh, it would definitely make things make for a bad day. I also had issues when they did the transfer back in August, and I hadn't noticed right away, so I kind of ran into the same problems. Mm. It was um, like I said, like uh, you said, easy fix. Just shoot them an email; they're really helpful about it. Just something I kind of wish is that they'd announced that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I just haven't seen much talk about it in fan communities, so I just wanted to make sure people yeah. knew about it. Um, yeah. It was kind of a kerfuffle when um, when it first happened, and um, on statue form, I remember a lot of people were kind of like, hey, where, what happened? Uh, that's why I didn't see it then. I'm not on there, which is probably a good thing for my wallet. <laughs> Something that's not going to be good for my wallet. Um, we've seen images of the Mattel Brachiosaur start to leak through, um, come through since uh, Uncle's Toy Fair in February. But uh, Mattel has now put out pictures of the box <laughs> and that <laughs> joyful kid playing with the uh, Brachiosaur and just how large this thing is. Uh, it's the Dave, size of the kid. Yeah, David, do you, uh, one, I suppose, keep any of the retail Mattel stuff in box? And two, do you keep any of the boxes? I usually don't, but I might make an exception here just because this is some really, really nice box art. Mm. It's the, um, it's essentially the Welcome to Jurassic Park scene. You got uh, Grant sitting there, Ellie uh, in amazement, and then you got Hammond, which some are speculating means we might be getting a Hammond figure. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. yeah. And so another thing with that they have here is the um, size chart in the in the upper corner <laughs> of the box. And that shows a silhouette of an Apatosaurus. Mm, so it does too. Another thing we might be getting. Wow. And I think there was a photo, I did see one image of it on a shelf next to the uh, Mosasaur. And just how much <laughs> this <laughs> elephant, or just how much bigger than the Mosasaur this thing is. Oh, yeah. It's, it's massive. I mean, it's to scale with the rest of the figures. And I never expected to see that out of a Jurassic Park toy line. I gotta say, I am, I am, in disbelief of this. I'm like, I still can't believe this is happening. Yeah. Just because, I mean, I'm speechless. Honestly, this is this is amazing. Seeing this, mm. one thing that I had been wanting probably since the measly little Hasbro <laughs> uh, Jurassic Park three Brachiosaurus was a full-scale Jurassic Park Brachiosaurus action figure. And Mattel has finally done it. You, you done it, you crazy, son, you crazy son of a bitch, you did it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an interesting thing, like you are saying before, that it's in scale with the rest of the legacy figures, and it's not... This isn't super colossal. It's not the T-Rex, it's not the blue that we're going to be getting out, coming out in the next few months as well before Christmas. This is to fit in with uh, all that collector stuff and just having your Grant and Ellie and the Jeeps parked in front of this thing on a display will just look fantastic. 
and having this big bit of box art in the background at the back of the display as well. We haven't heard price yet, but I've heard some. I've seen some people sort of two, three hundred dollars. Not even pay, that. But I've, yeah, from what I've heard from um, some of my sources, it's like fifty bucks. Yeah, like 45, I, 50 bucks or something like that. Yeah, I do not see this being more than the super any of the super colossal stuff. No, I don't either, actually. Which yeah, is amazing. Again, the price that they have for this thing, I mean, this is huge. They could have charged and if 2000 a, 3000 a, and people will pay it. Exactly, yep. <laughs> yep. How old will he be on eBay just to get the empty box for that art again? <laughs> but yeah, and it's just fantastic, like, doing this... And not having, if this was a um, Horizon, uh, not Horizon, if this was a Chronicle or Prime One Studios or something, it would be a $1,500 piece. Yes, the oh, paint would be that. a lot better and it wouldn't have the join lines in it that this obviously has, but. I want the bra- the articulation though, and this has a lot more articulation than I expected it to. I expected the legs and the, maybe the neck, but I know, but it seems the neck has two points of articulation maybe. And the tail moves too. Yeah. And I think the mouth opens as well. Yep. So they 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 learnt what they'd done with the mosasaur and took the next step because <laughs> it didn't have the it didn't have the. Uh, I'm pretty sure its tail wasn't articulated, was it? No, no. It was yeah. just a solid piece of uh, like thick rubber. Yeah, it was just a plug-in legs, arms, paddles, fins, <laughs> whatever you want to call it that uh, could articulate. But definitely excited. It's been... I hope there's some people actually getting it in hand now, whether they're getting it early from pre-orders or what's going on there. But mm-hmm. um, there's definitely some, some people getting around taking some photos of it. So it, will, it won't be long now before we can get our hands on it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Coming up next... Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Not since the release of Jurassic World Evolution has uh, the fan community reacted so much to the possibility of another island <laughs> and where are we going in Jurassic Park free and all that um, I think it started on Twitter and it ended up on Facebook and it, all of a sudden it was getting posted everywhere and mm-hmm. then um, then Clayton went and done a video about it as well but uh, Site C someone found a piece of old marketing material that uh, has always existed it just fallen out of the spotlight for all these years and uh, all of a sudden someone's posted back and people have lost their shit about the possibility of one, a Site C um, existing mm-hmm. now, which we talked a lot about this when evolution or post-evolution when we'd done um, the Lucinco Mortes Jurassic Mystery, um, how many of the five deaths were injured on and all that sort of thing. But I think with this marketing material, it sort of focuses more on the fact that Nublar was site, site C and possibly mm-hmm. Jurassic Park 3 was going to take part, take place back on Nublar and not Sauna like we got. It's interesting because, I mean, it shows a completely new design. This comes from a licensing guide that's in the collection of the Jurassic Collection uh, by our friend Astrid. Mm. And so it's just really weird because... I mean, you got the React Attack, which was part of the toy line, the Jurassic Park Authentic, which was the clothing line, and then you have Site C. And the description of it here is really interesting, too. Because, I mean, hold on. Let me try to open the image here. 
Oh, so you can read it. Yeah, it's not that... <laughs> you just delete it. <laughs> yeah, because it's interesting because it does mention Isla Nublar, but then it also mentions, like, surfing and um, stuff like that. So it's like maybe they were going to do a game here or something. I don't know. It's interesting. Because it mentions uh, surf graphics. Like, maybe they were going to have a video game out of it or a computer game or something. Well, I always just assumed it was um, them describing the lushness and the like, the paradise of Isla Nublar back, mm-hmm. and that's why Hammond wanted to go there in the first place, because to, um, to sort of do a bit of 101 Jurassic history. Sauna was always Site B. Site A was uh, was San Diego. Mm-hmm. And then Site C, once San Diego was stopped, well, technically it would then be Site A because <laughs> San Diego is no longer being used. But um, it has... We've talked about during Jurassic Park three minutes for a lot of the uh, the jungle sequences and just how different to it looks to the Lost World and... Really, in hindsight, apart from them putting up that title card restricted at the start of the movie and Billy, of all people, saying this is Site B, they're the only two references we get in the film, in Jurassic Park 3, and we don't see anything else from The Lost World either. So the sauna we get in Jurassic Park 3 could, it could be from a different draft and be Nublar. Mm-hmm. That very well could be because I mean there are so many drafts too. Yeah. Jurassic Park three, and we don't we'll probably never know all of them. We know that there is a lot of interesting things in a lot of those older drafts, including like the Pteranodons taking on the helicopter being reused, or yeah. a Spinosaurus versus Raptor fight, which I think was also thrown around. Thrown around was a Raptor versus Pteranodon fight. And so there's a, kind of a lot of ideas for an ending fight for the movie that just never ended up happening at all. Yeah, because even it's always been assumed that there's an airstrip landing strip on Nublar, which could have been mm-hmm. the one we've seen seen here. Um, also, too, like a lot of that surrounding area of the, the landing strip and the hills in the background had that that small shrubby bush that we see on the hills mm-hmm. as the the helicopters approaching the helipad and that. Like a lot of a lot of Nublar in Jurassic Park is that shrubby, um, not real jungle, and the redwoods are a whole different mm-hmm. thing as well. Well, it's interesting because in the luncheon scene, there shows an, a uh, partnership that Isla Nublar was planning to do with, um, I think it was like American Airlines or something like that, or United Airlines, one of one of those big name airline companies that. And so that would imply that they would probably have had to have had a landing strip on the island that could fit a 747, you know? Yeah, yeah and I, I we've mentioned this before when we when Jurassic World and Fallen Kingdom come out, taking a ferry, having all your guests fly to Costa Rica with connecting flights and whatever else and getting Costa Rica, transferring from San Jose to the ocean within the coast, which is... San Jose is not on the coast, and then mm-hmm. ferrying to Isla Nublar, 120 miles. It's not, it's not feasible whatsoever for a two, 200 or 22,000 a day at at the park. So um, there would have to have been some sort of more direct thing than that. And as you said, we had that that um, those slides in the original film. And I think the other thing here too is, it's 
it's marketing material. It's no different to the Lost World having DX tag and release slapped over all over the packaging and the the stickers and <laughs> coloring books and all that sort of thing as well. It's it might have been something they were going to use, something that was um, concept and that, but just never mm-hmm. went to final film. Whether again, a lot of the Lost World merchandising also does do uh, use a lot of that kind of early concept. I think even some of the merchandising had the um, novel version of Isla Sorna, as did uh, Hammond, the Hammond's office mm. viral site. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. Because um, again, it's a lot of stuff's being put together months. The toys are starting to go into production 18 months before the film's released, so a lot of this stuff they'd have to go off what's currently being worked on at the time, and a lot of stuff's going to change in that final 18 months, especially with Jurassic Park 3. And as we'll as we'll get to in a little bit, uh, they had some pretty weird and wacky concepts for The Lost World that we haven't seen before, but um, we do have one other story to get to before we get to that one. I, the last uh, episode we recorded before you left, which probably hasn't been released yet, uh, Netflix Camp Cretaceous had been leaked online. Uh, it appeared on the Netflix site and then disappeared again, and some people were able to screen cap that listing, but... Uh, First, we had an announcement that it's coming, and pretty much five or six hours later, a teaser dropped. Yeah, so we got the teaser and the synopsis here. It's basically, I think, a bunch of kids get left behind during the um, Indominus escape and evacuation and have to live on the island. It's I, it's kind of reusing the um, Lord of the Flies on Isla Sorna that was one of the concepts for Jurassic Park 3 which was actually one of the concepts I kind of wanted to see come mm-hmm. to fruition and then in the trailer here we get the um, shout out, I think it's Charlie or one or some green velociraptor I'm not sure if it's uh, exactly Charlie but yeah. she he's, uh, jumps into the shot and into we get this Beautiful shot of uh, a jungle environment with ferns littering all over the uh, ground. And then the raptor notices the camera and kind of starts charging the camera and then jumps. And that's then we get the title card. Yeah, I think the, the stuff comes up on the, um, the screen. Like adventure has evolved or something. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. get a couple intercuts here. Yeah, yep. Um, so DreamWorks Animation, which... Um, some people enjoy the Minions and uh, that sort of thing. No, Minions is Sony. DreamWorks, Shrek, <laughs> Shrek, Shrek, and that sort of stuff. Um, I like how you how to train your dragons, DreamWorks as well. But so they've done some good animation in the time in the past. Um, I like the the raptor here on screens is sort of a proof of this is what the animals are going to look like. Um, we've only sort of got a tease of the people from the back looking up at the Camp Cretaceous mm-hmm. gates, yeah. which. Um, Oh, it's just going to interest enough here. They're saying the uh, Camp Cretaceous is on the opposite side of the island from the main Jurassic World <laughs> location, but they've gone for the more iconic stone and timber gates for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, funny enough here, though, um, we actually kind of... Uh, oh, this is not the first time that was it's DreamWorks foray into the Jurassic franchise. The first time was the... Was it Trespasser, I think? No, it was the Lost World video game. Mm, yep. Under Under DreamWorks had the... Uh, it, it was part of their video game studio 
or video game animation studio, which never really took off. And I swear they haven't done the same, which I'm a little bit upset about. But again, at the start of the trailer, they've modified that DreamWorks logo. I think the the moon's sort of like that half crescent of a raptor claw with the kids sitting in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, in that original Trespasser, it's one thing I do... Uh, not Trespasser, the Jurassic, the Lost World PlayStation 1 game is the fact that that little boy's up there on the moon fishing with the DreamWorks tune playing in the background. You hear the shriek of the raptor and he's pulled off, which... <laughs> yep. I, it's one of my favourite parts about that game. It's not even the gameplay. <laughs> so, it's... It's always fascinating. Like, Disney, whenever they have a cartoon... They'll um they always change the uh the Disney castle to uh, mirror what sort of the film is, but DreamWorks had never really done it with that that little boy sitting up on the moon where they could probably do it quite easily, but they've done it they twice did... that I know of, and it's for both Jurassic <laughs> Jurassic franchises. They did it one time I remember early on with one of their earlier films. Oh no no it wasn't them. The Treasure Planet was a Disney film, wasn't it? Yeah. I always confused it because the the Crescent spaceport planet always reminded me of the DreamWorks moon. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. So yeah, it's um it's going to be interesting. Being um, well yeah, Kung Fu Panda. They got one actress actor from Kung Fu Panda um, voicing in here as well. Executive produced by Steven Spielberg, Frank Marshall, and Colin Trevorrow. Um, I've seen some grumbles. People have said, well, if Spielberg and Trevorrow are working on this, who's working on Jurassic World 3? Like, they're just sitting at a table and stuff's getting handed over for approval. I don't I don't think a lot of their time would be taken up with uh, with this animated feature or series. Much like when, um, I remember when the Clone Wars was coming out, they'll just hand stuff over Lucas's table and he was just approving stuff <laughs> without really looking much into it, but... It looks interesting. It, as you said, being 16s, it's probably going to be aimed, aimed at the sort of younger crowd and I don't really mind don't really mind that um, it'll be interesting to see how much of it mirrors or reflects on what that original Jurassic Park 3 script may have been yeah. could we have Grant living in there somewhere could he be the camp the camp leader little David Crusoe <laughs> <laughs> although I haven't mentioned Sam Neill here <laughs> yeah. coming up next one cartoon that we didn't see but uh Apparently they were starting to gear up with some concept for was they cancelled the Lost World animated series. Now, I remember some stuff coming out a couple of years ago of the Jurassic Park animated series that was going to come out. Um, going to be a single series run that sort of runs with, ends up with... I think Biosyn actually got embryos and tried to open their own Jurassic Park by the end of the series, but mm. there's plenty of um, storyboards and concepts and all that sort of uh, out for that. And just recently, some concept art has come out for this animated series for the Lost World and I don't know what they were smoking <laughs> oh yeah there, there's some it's interesting because like half of it is like normal kind of what you'd expect from Jurassic Park and then half of it is like they were smoking some bad ganja <laughs> yeah yeah like, like there's some um, character sort of designs here um, and it sort of mirrors what because Kenner was definitely involved in this wanting to make toys out of as well so mm. you got similar to the Jurassic Park line where a lot of the, the figures don't actually match up with their on-screen counterparts and here they had the chance of taking some of those figures and actually making characters for the uh, cartoon mm-hmm. but a lot of sort of mech mech suits and sort of military looking gear here um, mm-hmm. even one mech suit that sort of looks like 
you could run as fast as a velociraptor with a tail on the back. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that might have been in the intent, actually. Yeah. You know, one part like, he too, there's like an archer, and he's got a chain coming off the bottom of the boat to a juvenile T Rex. <laughs> well, I think that was definitely uh, part of the toy concept art yeah. here. I mean, I think this first one was all toy concept art; the rest of it was for the show. Yeah. Yeah. And the stuff for the show, like I said, is like half normal, half weird. Like yeah. we get a normal green looking T Rex with a little some little extra striping on it for some stylization. But it some makes art it... of what's that? I was just gonna say with that T Rex, it's sort of odd that it's not the crash style. Yeah. Um whether whether the cartoon was gonna move away from that or not. Um and then <laughs> yeah, these next couple where well, we don't like hybrids now. I wonder if this how yeah, we would have liked them back when this came out. I mean, but the first couple we get, though, I mean, we get, like, raptors preying on a herd of triceratops, raptors stalking in a what looks like uh, the worker village. Mm. And at the end, we got these shots of a biplane going <laughs> after some pteranodon. I don't know why it's a biplane. Maybe it was a callback to the Lost World. Well, it's the yeah, it's flying amongst the trenadons. Who's chasing who? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Up to debate, but um, but even just a biplane, mm-hmm. is, does that does that in, in mean that there's going to be some sort of flashback? But then it can't because these things shouldn't have existed before '93 mm-hmm. or the, the late '80s. Um, but yeah, then like you said, some of it just you think you hate the hybrids now. Oh Sybaris Rex. What? Sybaris Rex. I know. Um, that is not actually the official name of it, I don't think. Um, I oh. think that was... It, it didn't actually have a name, but says... Hell, or the artist Hellraptor decided to call it that, and it does look like... I mean, it's like, oh my god, is that like the worst experiment gone wrong, or what? Well, yeah, there's two separate ones here. There's one that's just... A tentacle blob with three pterosaur heads. <laughs> or the back three... two aren't even tyrannosaurus yeah. heads. They're like worm heads almost. Yeah. Which like... which Ooh. I could see coming out of that lab when they're in the early stages of trying to clone animals. Maybe you'd have some um, some non-formed Alan Ripley's like this sitting <laughs> sitting back there. But even the the one. The next one, Dan, it's sort of got the two heads, it's got the four arms. <laughs> Doomsday Rex, it's called. Oh, yeah. And that's oh, another yeah. one that Hellraptor uh, did some art with. Mm. And this thing is just like, it's horrific. It's like Godzilla-sized. Too, you know? I mean, you got oh. a smaller T-Rex underneath it oh. for scale with a human underneath that. Oh, this I just thing noticed that. Like, <laughs> what? Oh, I just noticed that human there. I'm going, wow. Yeah. It's as big as his toe, claw. Yeah, it's like Godzilla size. It's like, oh my god! And this thing is it's got like four arms, you know? Yeah. But even just like the spikes on its head and that, as you say, it's sort of very Godzilla-like or very dragon-like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these these two I would have had to chalk up to go back and redesign that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I'm sure being concept art, it's just they've been given some sort of. Um, storyline or a one word sentence of what the series might want to be and people just start drawing their own stuff and mm-hmm. 
I don't I don't think any of that would have been approved for a final <laughs> a final show unless again we did come across a lab scene and had some um, deformities, but I don't think they'd be this tall, this big. No. There might be some smaller stuff in in a lab. Even even just small stuff in the um in the um formaldehyde tanks or something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just interesting that um that they were planning on a planning on a uh, Lost World animated series. A lot, yeah, they reckon a lot of these um, designs end up into the, the Chaos Effect line, so mm-hmm. I haven't done much collecting or looking into that line, so I can't really comment much on it. Um, anything else on that you want to discuss? No, in fact, it kind of unnerved me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Right, yeah, a couple of uh, Jurassic Park, no, a couple of Jurassic World free news items here. Um, Bryce Dallas Howard has been on the uh, marketing or uh, release trip around the world with uh, her new film, Rocket Man. Supposedly, she let slip that the big three are returning. Well, like the the, the word or the conversation had moved to. Um, Jurassic World Free and the the uh, interviewer has asked, um, will you be alongside any of the original cast of that? And she's probably I haven't watched it. there is a video here, but she's I think she's um, sort of tried to skirt the question, and I can't really say anything about that, which has got people thinking they're returning. But I'm pretty sure since then it's been confirmed by Universal. Yeah. In fact, this one I'm kind of somewhat. Intri- uh, I kind of half believe it because I could see Laura Dern and um, and Jeff Goldblum definitely back, but uh, Sam Neill has kind of seemed reluctant to want to return. Well, that's I with the uh, the press tour, or even when uh, Fallen King was coming out, I'm pretty sure that there'd been a story posted one stage or another where. The characters or the art, actors had been asked if they'd come back, and they said, "Yeah, sure," or something like that, and said that they would at one time or another. But whether or not, all three of them are returning. Yeah. And as we as we sort of commented on when we'd done a look ahead at what we thought might come from Jurassic World Three, what role would they have? Um, whether it's just a walk-on cameo or something more substantial, mm-hmm. I don't really want to see Grant come back just to be. Logan in the bar when Professor X and that come up and say, I need your help, and he tells them to get stuffed. (laughs) At the same time, though, I mean, I do want more... I do want more science in these movies. Mm. And apparently, um, according to Colin Trevorrow, he does too. So I think that maybe more paleontology might be how we get more science into these movies. Yeah. Yeah, and plus, if this is the last one in the in the series in this series anyway, before it's rebooted or whatever uh, going forward, then you probably do want to sort of bookend it with some of these characters returning. Where's Where's Kelly and Sarah and Nick and some other much loved characters as well? <laughs> Love to see some of them back, but anyway, we'll see what happens in the next few months. Because moving on to our last news story, apparently some uh, people over in Ireland, 
Ireland-based media site has um, done an interview with Bryce Dallas Howard as well over in Ireland. Well, she's been talking about Rocket Man as well, and the conversation once again come up about Jurassic Jurassic World and Jurassic World Three, and um, he asked her if they've been filming there, and she sort of st- again started acting coy and said, "I can't really answer the question," which might be just her <laughs> not being able to um, not be able to say say one thing or another legally, or whether she's been told to play dumb <laughs> by Colin or someone, but. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it'd be filming, filming. I reckon it'd have to be sort of, if they're scouting, if someone's over there scouting locations and that. Yeah, definitely. Because this one, I'm less intrigued to believe that they're started filming. I think it's definitely more location scouting, and that's if they even use the location anyway. I remember location scouts were done in, it was like some place in England that they ever, never ended up using. It was like some really beautiful island off of England. And... They ended up just filming at Pinewood Studios, and like I remember the announcement. I remember googling it and thinking, um, "Oh, that's nice. That looks really nice. That'll be a cool, interesting place to see." And then it just never was there, you know. Well, same with Fallen Kingdom. I remember Bayona had posted up some photos, I think, of Spain of like lava flows or something, hadn't he? Um, might have, but that might have just been a um, like a teaser and not exactly a location scout. Yeah. Well, it sort of seemed to think that we're going to somehow look back on Nublar after the volcano had erupted or something. But, but yeah, exactly as you said. But <laughs> they can they go around trek around. I know we mentioned it a little while ago with uh, Spielberg not wanting to go to Costa Rica. I wonder if they ever sent a location scout there in the early in the early days before he put the uh, the nail in and said, "No, we're not going to Costa Rica to film." I don't know. I remember in I remember in the Lost World they had uh, done location scouts in New Zealand, and even went so far as to do a partnership with Kodak Film. And if you found like a special roll of film, you got a vacation in New Zealand, which <laughs> I probably would have tied into uh, where <laughs> where the Lost World would have been filmed. But, of course, The Lost will never have been filmed, and I wonder if somebody ever got the New Zealand vacation and was like, weird flex, but okay. <laughs> that would have cost you a lot more to go and visit the locations if you had to fly down to New Zealand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't think I would have been flying to New Zealand to see Jurassic Park locations. Yeah, and they do make a good point here in the article, too, why why would Jurassic Park or Jurassic World 3 be filming in January of 2019 when the film isn't coming out until 2021? We won't. You won't see anything filming wise probably till mid next year, yeah. no, November next year or something. I'll go into production and film to January twenty twenty one or something and get it all together for a June release. That's how it normally works. But that has been Jurassic Minutes, Dave. We've uh, covered a bit of news there. We had a little bit of backlog with you going away on your trip and some other stuff we just hadn't talked about previously, but. Uh, once we start getting a little bit more of this news come through, we'll release another one of these episodes. But in the meantime, we'll be back next week for the next minute of Jurassic Park 3. Mm-hmm.